millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. those of you who have been following along for a while, you'll know that earlier this year, something huge came into my world and has really changed the direction and what I want to talk to all of you about. Even though I have always been talking about our identity as women when we become mothers, the idea and the teachings around matrescence which is the term that refers to the transition of a woman to a mother, has really been that missing piece of the puzzle that I have been searching for for so long. And since discovering that, I have been diving deep into understanding it. I have been interviewing and researching and writing and creating new programs for us all to help us really look at how we can define ourselves and how we can make this time in our lives, which, let's be honest, goes well beyond just a small baby stage. We continuously have to redefine who we are as women, has really consumed all of my time. So the podcast release has been a little slower than usual, but I promise you we will be back to weekly episodes from now on. Today's episode is... The culmination of all of that work that I have been doing over the last few months. This is one of the most exciting podcasts I can share with you this year. In New York, there is a center called the Motherhood Center, which was started and co-founded by the amazing Dr. Catherine Burndoff. Catherine is the medical director of this center and specializes in the treatment of pregnant and new mums with anxiety and postnatal depression. She is also one of the leading figures on the conversation around matrescence. In just two weeks, mummers, I am going to be flying to the United States. And as part of that trip, I will be going to the Motherhood Center in New York to speak with Catherine and her colleagues and even do a presentation on what I have learnt about motherhood and from all of you, what I now know about matrescence. I'm also going to be attending Columbia University to be speaking with the leading expert and really the pioneer in this area of matrescence, Dr. Athen, and talking to her about study and furthering this discussion in Australia and around the world in my work. So much is happening and I cannot wait 
to bring it all to you, the ones that listen to this every week and the ones that are in this with me, the mummers that are trying to define themselves again in amongst this time in their life, who are looking at the roles and the stories that you carry, the belief systems that may be holding you back and trying to find a better way. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be in the main city where these conversations seem to be happening so I can gather as much as I can to bring back to you. But first, I'll share with you this amazing interview that I did with Dr. Catherine Berndoff from the Motherhood Centre in New York. In this conversation, we not only explain what matrescence is and what's happening to us in these years of early motherhood, but also what we might be able to do about it, how we can be more kind and compassionate to ourselves, what makes a difference to a woman going through matrescence and transforming herself in this role. I love the way that she speaks about this really is our identity we're looking at here. Motherhood changes our identity. And if we are aware of that and understand it more and realize that this is a beautiful opportunity to find ourselves anew, then we can move through this time with so much more grace and ease and happiness. So please enjoy this amazing insight and interview with Dr. Catherine Berndoff from the Motherhood Center in New York. And stay tuned. As I come back from New York myself, I will continue to share with you everything I am finding on this path. This is the Happy Mama Movement, a weekly podcast dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor-Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honor motherhood differently. Dr. Berndoff, thank you so much for joining me. As I've explained to my mummers, when I first heard your work in the area of matrescence, it was like 
the thing I had been waiting for for 10 years but didn't realise I had been waiting for. So thank you so much for the work that you do in with Goop and in New York and around the world for mamas. It's so important. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me and I love to talk about this topic and and um, happy to share it with you and, and, you know, just know that I'm standing on the shoulders of others who have begun to talk about this and um, define this. So it's, it's very exciting to have this uh, collaboration. It is. So let's start right at the beginning. Let's do Matrescence 101 for my audience. Can you explain to me what it is and when it happens and what happens to a woman when she is moving through matrescence? Okay, well, I think first and foremost, um, since it's not a um, common word, is important to understand, um, again, and this is not a word I coined, this was a word from, I believe, the 1970s with an, uh, an anthropologist named Dana Raphael. She coined this term, and it was picked up again several years ago by a, a, a psychologist named Orly Athen, Dr. Athen, and it's now been talked about more, but um, it, it really hasn't gained much traction because I think the word is is hard to say and people don't know how to pronounce it and they don't know what it is. So one way to think about it, which is helpful in a number of ways, I think, is that um, it's a lot like adolescence, right? So matrescence. I mean, it makes sense if you look at the root of the word, um, and, and you think about what it, what it might mean in, in, uh, in relation to adolescence, right? Being a developmental life stage, a transition from one, um, one phase to another. And, um, you know, with adolescence, we know it to be a very rocky time. That's expected. No one expects an adolescent to be behaving well and <laughs> having an easy time, right? It's, it's like a given that, you know, people roll their eyes and say, oh, such an adolescent, right? I mean, it's such an easy way um, to think about, you know, we don't, we don't question that. And, and I think what's so shocking and why the word is so cool is because it, it's the same thing for uh, mothers becoming, it's like on becoming a mother, right? It is that transition to becoming a mother, right? Mm-hmm. It is that identity shift from a single person, a single entity into this new entity that was once single and on their own, you know, operating, you know, very differently than when they had a dependent, you know, someone that they, you know, maybe they birthed, maybe they did through surrogacy. I mean, there are lots of ways to become a mother, but nonetheless, it is that transition. I think it is broad. I think we can say it really has to do with, you know, with that um, identity. It's really, I think, about identity. I'm so glad you said that because looking back at my experience, I think if I was to narrow down to exactly what it is that I struggled with the most, it was one simple word, my identity. That was at the core of it what I lost and what I really struggled to redefine and find again. And I think takes years and years to figure out. And this is what I really wanted to speak to you about today. I feel at the moment 
we are perhaps doing a little better in acknowledging what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother in those very early weeks and months. You know, we, we're a little bit better at honouring what a birth can mean, a particular birth story can mean, or all the support that a woman needs in those early months. But beyond that, this doesn't stop when the child turns six months or finally sleeps through the night or hits that first-year milestone, does it? This is an ongoing identity. <laughs> you are never the same. Your identity mm -hmm. has changed forever. And, and, and I almost <laughs> hesitate to say that. You know, people think, oh, once I get pregnant, then it's going to be okay. Well, and once I have that baby, then it, oh, it's going to get better then, right? Or I won't be so anxious or I won't be so whatever one is feeling. And then you think it's always going to be at the next stage where it's going to get easier. Well, I can only tell you as having a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old, I believe I'm still in matrescence mm -hmm. and I'm struggling to understand what it means. But And maybe this is why it's been so hard to define and identify, right? Because I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, I've, 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 I can't say I've mastered some of it, certainly not all of it, but th there's some things I'm better at than others, but that's in doing the part about being a mother, you know, mothering. But in terms of my own identity, it is, it's been a, it's been a chronic um, morphing throughout, right? Because I, you know, had a first kid when I was a resident, when I was a psychiatry resident. And so was I a doctor? Was I a mother? Was I a wife? I had a newish husband. Was I a daughter? Like who the, who was I? Mm. Then I had this baby and I didn't know what to do with the baby. <laughs> and my identity was really just shaken to the core. Um, I don't feel as, as shook as the young kids say now. I don't feel as shaken now, but I'm telling you, it is still a, it is a redefining. I mean, you have to have a really strong sense of self throughout um, to be that individual among the many other hats that, that you wear. But anyway. That's what I wanted to hear from you the most. You now work in this area and have opened the Motherhood Center in New York, mm -hmm. which is Oh, so needed. And I hope you have plans to scatter them the world round, please. <laughs> we'll have one in Australia, lips, yes. please. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're at the coalface, as they say, and talking to mamas who are moving through this as on a daily basis, what is it that we are missing in supporting mothers in transitioning through this time in their life? I can imagine that that answer is very, very long. But if you were yeah. to say at the core of it, is it because we simply do not value and honour what this means to become a mother? Uh, well, I think that is a huge part of it. It's, it's such a good question that you ask, and you ask it so well. So thank you. I, it, yes, I, I do. I, I Without... Oh my God. And my mind is exploding with many thoughts about how to answer that. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it has to do with valuing the experience of a woman, of being female in this world at this time. I just think that we are not quite up there with the men. And if this were happening for males and men, it would be well known and well understood and have been studied scientifically. You know, all the research has been done on men because they don't have reproductive capacity and we don't have to quote, worry about them because of this, but then what about the women? I mean, there's so many ways in which 
women have been put aside. Um, yeah, that's maybe a nice way to say it. Put down might be another way to say it. But if we want to take the positive spin on that, we just we haven't, I, I like how you said it, we haven't valued the experience of being a woman. And central to that is, and not for everybody, but but is the potential at least of of maternal, there is a maternal destiny that is a potential for most, if not all. And um, that said, you know, whether one chooses to do it or not is, is not particularly well-defined or well understood. Mm. And I think that has to do with the lack of value placed on that, um, that experience. So um, it's sad. It makes me very sad to say that, but I do think it's true. I agree. It makes me sad too. And I feel that um, in my own life and also in all my work with these mamas, it's because we don't honour that, that we yeah. very quickly think that we need to go back to being who we were, which is yeah. a masculine definition of success or busyness okay. or or achievement. And therefore, we, we don't hold that time or space to honour the changes in us, but also to just say to the world, I'm a mum right now and everything else changes. Yep. Yep. And that that's, and that that's legitimate and that that has meaning and um, value and um, has to be, has, has to be accepted, right? It's not, it's normal. It's a quote, normal, typical process. It's not pathologic that, you know, we often in medicine pathologize, um, you know, we still pathologize the pregnant state. You know, it, it, it's just so interesting. We don't, we don't think of it as a passage of, of something that happens to many, if not most women in their lifetime. I mean, that's half the population that we're forgetting about and, and, and neglecting the, this experience. It doesn't so make sense. It doesn't make sense. You're right. And it's, and it's so devastating that so many of us have been through this process without the support and understanding that we needed. So if, yeah. you, if you had your magic wand and yeah. could go in and change the way we support women as they transition into motherhood, what type of things would you put into place? Well, like you said, you know, without excuse and without apology, you know, I'm a mother now. I need to focus on that. I need to be able to consider that a primary um, transition at the moment. And my, all the other identities or hats that I wear, you know, need to um, be put on hold or done in different ways or reconsidered or I have to reconceptualize everything. But I really think that it has to start before that, right? I mean, we don't talk, we should be talking about this in grade school, right? In elementary school and in, in all the way through kids' schooling so that they understand that this, and that, that boys learn about it too, that this transition is not just like, hey, don't get pregnant, you know, that you learn in sex ed. Um, it's really like what it means, what it is, and, and to understand the, the, the experience from a female perspective, which um, again is, is so important for both boys and girls, men and women. And I think if we started talking about it, you know, started much younger, we would have a better 
chance when it's time or one chooses to become a mother that we would have a uh, there just be a better context in which it it begins but that said it's this is awareness and education this is you know preparation this is talking about things that aren't always clear or straightforward or pleasant um you know it's understanding the ups and downs and that and stopping with this crazy idealization of motherhood like you know we're supposed to be perfect and it should therefore be easy and anything that isn't natural and you know um homemade about the whole thing is somehow wrong and and, and no one can deal with the, the the complexities of what it is to become a mother and we need to understand that that's the norm right there's a wide range of normal as i always say and we only think of it as this teeny little sliver of how to do it right. And everyone's trying to achieve that both in how they conceive. Okay, first, who the partner is, how they conceive, how the pregnancy goes, how the birth goes, and then just keep going from there. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's crazy. It's unattainable. And it's it's making us sick. Yes, it is making us sick. Do you think, and I'm not sure if this is too much of a black and white question, but do you think this lack of understanding and support is contributing to our rate of postnatal depression? I do. I, I, I really do. Now, I say that, and I, I say that those, the statistics haven't changed particularly over time, but I, I also think that it's... Um, it is, it has always been true. So maybe that's already, you know, in the equation there, but yes, how could it not? Yes. Is how I ask you back, right? How, how or rhetorically, how could it not? Mm. So when we look at the comparison with adolescence, which I just love, it makes so much sense to me. It's something that is natural, but isn't easy. It's a transition that we all go through. However, there are some people that cruise through adolescence as best you can. doesn't mean that they don't have their moments, but some people do mm-hmm. seem to move through those teenage years and into adulthood much more smoothly than others. And I'm sure in many areas of medicine that are beyond me, it has been studied and understood what makes that smoother transition. Do you think we have any understandings yet of what a woman needs in place to make this matrescence easier? Well, yes, it's a great, you're asking again, a great question. And I think, you know, it's multifactorial in origin, as we say in medicine, right? Or we say sometimes it's biopsychosocial. It's biological, (laughs) psychological, and social. I mean, here's med school 101. Um, But so what I'm telling you is really the cause and uh, um, treatment, both, both how, did, how did this happen, right? There's a genetic component. There's the biology. And this is true both in adolescence and matrescence, right? Things tend to run in families, right? If your mother had a difficult time being pregnant or had preeclampsia or is postpartum, had postpartum depression or anxiety, you may be more likely, right? So things, and, and again, that may be true in adolescence, right? The genetic, the heritable parts of this are, are, are a piece of it. And then there's the environment. There's the, you know, what's happening um, in the context in which you were becoming an adolescent or it, where you lived your adolescence or where you're becoming a mom and what, what is that context? 
right? What are the, um, I'm doing the social now, but sort of like, you know, what are your relationships like? What is your relationship, you know, what's your job? What's happening in the, in your financial, you know, are you, um, do you have enough money to live? Do you, you know, how are, how are your basic needs being met? You know, all those things matter um, because the more difficult those circumstances are, the more sort of adverse those um, social constructs are, the more trouble you may run into or not because a lot is also dependent on your psychology, right? The, another piece of that puzzle, sort of who are you psychologically? Um, you know, what were your experiences and what, what defines your personality and what's your style and how do you cope? And when the going gets tough, you know, do you go to sleep or do you activate, you know, all, just all different kinds of things that, that make up who you are, your psychology. And that's a huge part of, of this puzzle. So that sort of, again, it's easy that shorthand, the sort of, if you look at it, biologically, psychologically, and socially, you can look at those different component parts and say, okay, um, what, what is that for? What is this mix for a person? Um, how do we think it's going to go during adolescence or in this case, matrescence? And how do we help people? Like when someone comes into my office, I, I look at all those realms and I say, okay, what is the, what are their genetics? What's the family history? I want to hear about it. Okay. What's their psychology like? What's their style? What's their um, how do they describe themselves? How do others describe them? How do they cope with um, difficulties? You know, who are they in the world psychologically? And then I look at their social context and, and what's happening. Where are the stressors? And then I think, okay, we need to help you in this area or that area. And that's how I begin to put together my assessment and plan for a person who comes in and says, hey, I'm thinking about getting pregnant or I am pregnant and I really don't want to have a quote postpartum, right? I don't want to struggle afterwards. Can you help me? Can you help me prevent that? Or can you help me get ready for that? Can you help me make the transition better or easier or somehow, um, you know, I'm worried because of this. So can you help me try and prevent that from happening? My, so it's kind of looking at that. You kind of have to know the person. That's why I love what I do. And I love being able to sit with a person and go through it and detail all those different areas of their lives and understand like who they are as a whole. And then I can say, you know, what strikes me is I think given this, this might be a, that might be a problem in this area during pregnancy, or this might be a problem postpartum or let's, what can we do to help get you set up for success so that when the time comes, you're not disadvantaged because of something we know now, like what can we do now to help prevent then you know, X, Y, or Z happening. And I think it's really important, again, starting earlier, I love when a person comes to see me before they've even started trying to conceive or think about a family, you know, they, they just want to talk about it. And um, it's just such, it's such a privilege to be able to work with someone at that time and think about this, have time to think through these different areas of their being and, and then talk about what it might look like and how they want to prepare and, you know, what it means. That's a, one way to do it. And then another, you know, I get the people, you know, practically delivering who say, you know, who aren't feeling well, who are saying, you know, help me prevent the inevitable from happening because they're already having symptoms. Guess what? I'll help you too. Let's figure it out. There's always, I, you know, I'm a, an optimist. I always feel like there's something to do for everyone. But, um, you know, it is helpful to think about it in advance if you can, because once you're in it or you're in the thick of it, you can, I always think you're sort of behind the eight ball 
and it's a little harder to pull out, but you know what? So what? We'll figure it out. We'll find mm -hmm. those to, to help you get out of whatever it is, is that you're in so that you can transition and, and, and find the best in, in your experience. Listening to you explain all of those factors, it just brings such a sense of relief because it makes you realize that it's not that you're failing as a mother. It's not that you're failing as a woman. It's because of a million different factors that are combining into you reacting this way to whatever's happening with your child. You know, maybe someone is struggling with the the tantrums of a two-year-old and really feels like they are failing and don't have the right parenting skills. And, you know, we really put it back on that parenting um, style. Whereas in actual fact, this mama may never have had the support right from the beginning of pregnancy. There might be a socioeconomic situation going on, which means that she doesn't have the resilience to be able to handle this in the right way. It's just, it's almost this different level of compassion around this stage in life that kind of takes that judgment away. Oh, it, 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 I can't even tolerate the word failure or defect. I hear people say this. I, I just think to myself, what are you talking about? Isn't that, that's so not true. And of course that doesn't help anyone. So I don't really say that to people. <laughs> but I think it, and I think, why do you have to feel it's, it's not true? Because listen, the people get to this, I, and what we see a lot at the motherhood center is women who feel like, how can they possibly mother when they were not mothered, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so how do you have a template for mothering or having a relationship, a healthy relationship with a child or a partner or anyone for that matter, when you didn't grow up with that? What do, what do you know? You know, you're, you're, you already feel disadvantaged and feel like, how will I learn this? And so it's a crisis when you're faced with it can't tell you how many new moms here feel like they are so ill-prepared because their mother wasn't around or was, you know, died young or was dysfunctional in ways or was estranged or what, or just had a rocky relationship. And they think, who am I to think I could be a mother when I have no track record here? I, I have no, I, or it's not even track record. I have no template. It's always a word I use, right? They have no, they didn't learn. Okay. Well, guess what? You can always learn, and, and you did, there, people got a lot of things along the way that they don't know about, and so a lot of what I end up talking to women about is where they did find strength, their strengths, and where they did learn things that they are actually going to use to do this thing called mothering, and it's incredible what skills and how much resilience most women have, even those in the worst of circumstances, right, who can do it. You don't have to have had a perfect or even like reasonable experience it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be great at it, but we can all learn and we can all figure out what we had and what we have and how to, how to do it better if, if we need to, or how to accept what is and understand that that's quote good enough, you know, as Winnicott says, which is such an important phrase that I wish we could plaster everywhere, except people are so scared of it because they think it's, it means mediocre, you know, good enough is just, you're giving up like really good for good enough when really good enough is really all you need, all anyone needs um, to do well. I'm so glad you mentioned the strength and resilience of a woman because I think that is my my biggest 
passion is that I just want to say to every single mama that comes my way, you have no idea how strong you are to be even asking these questions. There are millions of women who are really struggling and feel like they're drowning and just keep showing up every day. But you're the one that's saying, hang on, maybe I should be feeling different. Maybe there's something I could learn here. Maybe there's a chance for me to heal something inside me so I can do a better job. It actually makes me emotional to even talk about it because that is what we're here for. That's what I feel motherhood does. It gives us this opportunity to to press pause and say, whoa, hang on a second. Who am I and who do I want to be and how do I want to show up in this? That's the greatest privilege of this isn't it absolutely and it's it's you you get your it's almost like you're captive i see women get motivated in ways they've never been before they have this chance at um it's not a do-over but they have this chance to sort of they wake up and they want to do it right all of a sudden all those things you've let go that you wanted to work on or that you've been thinking about it's like well that you you could sort of not worry about it when it was just you now you have a kid and you're sort of like, okay, I'm not going to screw this baby up. I'm going to do it right. And there's just this, like, it, it's so interesting what you see wake up in people in this way that is, is, makes this work so incredible and so powerful because, because people want to do right by their kids. I mean, every mom, even those who are struggling and don't think they can do it, like you said, there is such strength in there that they, and they're ready to, to tap into that. And Given the opportunity, I think, you know, women would run, do and, and will run wild with that. They will go deep. They will go far um, to, to get to a good place so that they can be the best version of themselves and thus be able to parent in a way that is um, good for their child. And if we can give all women this understanding of what's happening, I think all of us can can grow and learn in this way. It's so important to have this support and language and framework in place now for us to say, this is what's happening to you and it's okay and this is what you have around you to help you. Absolutely. It takes a village. The cliche is just so apt and I think, you know, we're, we all want to be Wonder Woman and somehow do this ourselves and, you know, there's this... Um, self-judgment and societal judgment if we if we need help or if we don't have all the answers and it's like wait a minute you're not supposed to and when when people say they do I look at them and think all right what are you talking about (laughs) and I and that's when I again I don't often offer my own story I I stay fairly um you know as a psychiatrist I you know I, I I don't offer a ton of myself but I will say it's not easy for anyone and I include myself in that Right? It is hard. It is, this is being a mother. I mean, going to work is easy relative to being a mother. Going to work is a vacation relative to being at home and, and raising kids and figuring out how to parent. It is the toughest, hardest, most, I can't even tell you, just the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have such respect for all of us doing it. And it, it's an incredible and it's important um, and it has to be done. And I, and I want to do it well, but like I said, it is a work in progress. I'm still working on it. My kids still challenge me and are my greatest teachers. They have taught me how to be a parent and um, they hold me to, they hold me to the teachings. 
Wow. Oh, thank you so much. It is such a privilege to speak to you about this. And I agree. I think it is the hardest job and they are the greatest teachers. And it is the most beautiful opportunity for us to learn so much about ourselves. And I'm so grateful for your work and you taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. I could, as you can see, talk about this forever. And, and, and all the people in this field, I am telling you, are so committed, like you, who are interested in, in making things better for women and helping us understand things that, that we already know and feel but can't always name. Mm. But thank you. Oh, thank you. Ah, oh, so many aha moments in this interview. I'm sure you felt them too. What I really love about the way that Dr. Berndoff speaks about this is that it helped me understand that who we are as mothers is affected by so many different factors and we cannot judge ourselves for that. We come to this with so many stories and beliefs and understandings and role models from our own childhood and from the world around us. And all we can do is be honest with ourselves, give ourselves the compassion, kindness and space we need to be able to look at who we really are and who we want to be. We have to redefine ourselves in this time. We have to redefine what it means to be a mother and also to be a woman in this day and age. My 40-day program called Redefine is about to start again on Sunday the 4th of November. This is a 40-day practice of mindfulness and meditation, but it's also a step-by-step guide to looking at who are you as a mother? Who are you as a creative, passionate woman? Who are you as someone who holds the space and responsibility for so many people in your life? And who are you as someone who has an ambition, who wants to do something in this world, who wants to spread her wings or make a difference? We go through each area of your life and look at it, what the stories are, what are the beliefs there, and rewrite them so you can define yourself, so you don't feel lost in motherhood, so you don't feel lost in any of the roles that you have, and that you have real balance, you show up with grace, you have trust in yourself. It's a beautiful step-by-step 40-day guide. If you'd like to join, we start Sunday. Until next week, Satnam, beautiful mamas. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.